All right, joining me now, Bill English from BibleandBusiness.com. Welcome back, sir. Hey, thanks. Good to be back. How are you doing today? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm fabulous. I'm just great. You know, I've heard that about you. Paul was just saying off air how fabulous and great and wonderful you are. So. <laughs> That's because he's hoping for some sort of year-end gift. I don't know. No, not really. I'm just kidding. Okay, so let's talk about Paul is the year-end gift. He is the gift that gives he is, He's the he gift is, that keeps on giving, isn't he? Yes. I know. Can I interject here just a moment? You're like the most reliable friend ever. <laughs> you are. Yes. Go ahead, Paul. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I have. Actually, never mind. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Bill, let's talk about, yeah. um, I mean, here's the here's the good news. Uh, with the vaccine, I mean, it's more than on the horizon. Uh, it, it It's landing in communities across the country. Um, people are going to begin being vaccinated against COVID. Um, we are going to begin to talk about a post-COVID reality. That means we're going to talk about a post-COVID economy. Some things are not going back to quote-unquote normal. Um, the economy has changed. Jobs have changed. People have moved. Companies have retooled. Let's talk a little bit about how we are going to be thinking differently about ourselves as workers in a post-COVID economy. Okay. Well, uh, there are some threats to all of this, and there's some wonderful news on the horizon. First of all, but let's 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 make the observation. It's my understanding that roughly 40 million people, and I, I could be wrong about this, have already made a job transition uh, during this COVID time. Um, there's just been a lot of people leaving certain types of jobs and going into other types of jobs. So uh, I, I think that the ability for people to make transitions in jobs is already there. The government provides a truckload of support for people who are wanting to make job transitions, and some companies are doing quite a bit in terms of job retraining, trying to get people ready really for, for the next 10 to uh, 15 years. And so in this post-COVID economy, I think what we're going to find is that a number of people who are in either lower wage jobs or certain kinds of service industries will be forced into other types of employment. And But, you know, a part of me, Carmen, part of me kind of thinks that they'll kind of head back to those jobs uh, over the next five to ten years after, after the things settle a little bit. I, I don't know what you're hearing, but that's kind of what I'm feeling right now. Well, I had a conversation yesterday um, with somebody who – um, is is making what I will describe as a as an unwelcome job transition. Um, the the company that he worked for, you know, tried to survive, but the environment in which it uh, it existed, I mean, the actual, I mean, the environment just dried up. So, I mean, you can only survive for so long in a parched space. Um, and so they they've closed, they've shuttered the business, and so he's too bad, you know. Well, but he's um, I think he's very, very hopeful. Like, I think he recognizes that the world is not going to be like it was um, a year ago. Um, and so he's you know, he's ready for the next thing. I will tell you that um, there's a lot of humility that comes with that. And I hear it in his voice. 
Um, you know, I mean, I I hear him struggling with identity and feeling like, you know, I was my job and now I don't have my job and I'm a stay at home dad. And that's weird. And but but blessed, huge blessing. Right. So all kinds of um, ways to as Christians to talk with one another and open up conversations about these transitions. Um, tell us what are some things that, you know, from the Bureau of Labor Statistics, because some of the math here matters. Yeah, it does. Uh, the latest stats we have are for September. OK, so I realize this is you know, beginning of December, but that's what we have. Uh, 6.4 million open jobs in September, 4.7 million separations. In other words, people left, uh, 4.7 million people left their jobs. Of of those 4.7 million, 3 million were actually quits. People voluntarily left. Only 1.3 million were uh, terminations initiated by the employer. So there are more open jobs right now in the United States than there are those who are seeking jobs. Now, that's a qualified statement, right? Uh, Because the labor force participation rate is continuing to decline. And in fact, it's been declining uh, for years now. It, It isn't just declining because of COVID, although COVID has has impacted it. I'm not saying COVID hasn't impacted it, but it has been declining. So, for example, in October of 2000, for those who were able to work and could have worked, 66.8% of the workforce was actually employed. Uh, In 2010, it was 64.4%. In in October of 2020 of this year, it was 61.7%, although economists expect that to rebound back to around 63%. So we've been having this long decline in the labor force participation rate. But for those who are looking for jobs, if they're willing to make career transitions and willing to get retrained, there are open jobs available. Well, and there's a huge opportunity if you're willing to go into, I think, what are historically called, you know, the trades. And the trades now include a number of things that aren't traditional trades, um, but talk a little bit about that, because, you know, I mean, obviously the greatest threat is to people who only have a high school degree. But if we started thinking differently about um, preparing people for vocations and trades that don't require a four year college degree, you know, we might be on to something. Yeah. The, you know, we have about so here's an example. We have about 750,000 carpenters in the United States. From what I could see, uh, we need at least a million of them. Uh, and for electricians, what they tell us is that about 7,000 join that profession every month, but another 10,000 leave it each, I'm sorry, not month, but year, and, and another 10,000 leave it each year. Uh, we need uh, another quarter million truck drivers around the United States. Uh, we, we There's a huge shortage of nurses. Now, there you're talking about a college degree. But uh, for plumbers, carpenters, electricians, delivery drivers, customer service people, truck drivers, uh, certain types of, of home health uh, assistants that do not require uh, college degrees, there's a shortage in all of those areas. And uh, some of them only pay in the mid-20s uh, on an annual basis, but plumbers? You know, you can start at uh, fifty thousand a year. Carpenters are going to make fifty to sixty-five thousand a year. Electricians upwards to seventy-five. Really good ones, hundred thousand a year. So and truck drivers. Uh, that's I mean, that's a great job, and you could listen to the radio. Oh, I'm just you know saying. What? I mean, I'm just saying. You know, 
get your get your Spotify going or what what's the what's the one that has all the music? Is that Spotify or Pandora or whoever? Pandora, but but we want people to listen to the Faith Radio app. That's yes, what we I'm sorry. About. Yes, yes, yes it's just be shameless. Okay, we got to take a break when we come back. <laughs> uh, Bill English and I are going to continue our conversation. We're going to pivot a little bit and talk about um, the economic team that we see coming together. As Joe Biden puts his administration together, we're going to talk about what we think we know um, in, uh, you know, what we think we can forecast based on what we know about the people that he is tapping for service in the economic arenas. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Continuing my conversation with Bill English from BibleandBusiness.com. So, Bill... uh, President-elect Biden has begun naming um, members of his team. Some of those folks, you know, are economic advisors and um, people who will have jobs related to the econ- directly related to the economy. Um, based on the people that he is tapping for service, um, what what do you think we can anticipate? Well, I, I think he's come out and said uh, directly that the labor unions are going to have a lot more influence in his administration. And I think they're going to try to use the labor unions both to increase their membership and to increase the compensation for workers. So it, it just seems to me that um, that they are going to build this economy for the workers. And the way they're going to do that is through the labor unions. That's that's my suspicion. Uh, and I, I think we'll see that. Uh, they're also going to try and tackle income inequality. And uh, every administration that's ever tried to tackle that, in my view, has uh, tried to solve this by taxing, by by creating a more progressive tax structure on the upper wage earners and then redistributing that wealth uh, through government action. And uh, and it's it's not only based on the fact that there's this uh, widening gap in income inequality. It's also based on on the notion that things should be relatively fair in our society, that people who work hard, that the compensation should be relatively fair. And so that's what I think we're going to see come out of of the Biden's economics team based on who he is uh, putting around himself. I think that, you know, folks who are listening right now probably have questions about, uh, you know, anticipating taxes and those kinds of things. But those are bigger conversations than we can have. because those are going to require Congress to act. And Congress hasn't really completely settled itself out yet. We have a runoff. We have two runoffs in the state of Georgia um, that absolutely will determine the balance of power in the U.S. Senate. Um, And we have uh, still a couple of undecided races. Well, they're not undecided, but people haven't conceded yet um, in terms of the House. So the balance in the House is probably going to be around 222 Democrats and 210 Republicans. That's just a difference of 12 seats. And so um, Democrats will not have, uh, I mean, they can still run roughshod over Republicans in the House, but it's harder to do so when the when the gap is so narrow. Um, and so I just want to highlight that and remind people that taxes and the way that we are taxed is actually dependent on congressional action, not just on uh, the person in uh, in the Oval Office. And so it's hard to anticipate what's going to happen on the taxation front. But there are things that Biden can do uh, in terms of economic influence um, that he can do through executive action and obviously the placement of individuals in um, positions of uh, of power and authority throughout the U.S. government. 
Um, when we talk about the economy, Bill, when when how should we be thinking about or who should we be thinking about or what agencies maybe is the better question here? Um, the federal government is a big player in the U.S. economy. Like, right, they have lots of contractors. They buy a lot of stuff. Um, just to talk a, just a little bit about the influence of the federal government on the U.S. economy itself as a direct player. You know, I remember back in 2008 when I owned a company called Mindsharp. It was a software training company, and we were one of the best uh, worldwide at teaching SharePoint uh, to uh, companies and to uh, military installations and people like that. I remember when they did their first continuing resolution, instead of passing a budget every year, Congress fell into this just continuing resolution after resolution after resolution, and it completely stifled uh, consistent government spending with those contractors. And there was mm-hmm. a there was a, a domino effect among contractors because contractors have subs who have subs who have subs, and you never knew if your contract was going to uh, be renewed for another six months or another year or another two months. And uh, one of the things that the government, uh, really, frankly, Congress and the president could do that would really help our economy since they do, since they are such a large purchaser of goods and services, is to actually pass a budget every year so that there is certainty and consistency in the supply chains that the government purchases from. There are at least 10 million people. Well, the government themselves employ several million, but there's got to be another 10 to 20 million on that food chain, that supply chain, that really depend on, on the government being consistent with their spending habits. And when they do continuing resolutions for three months or three weeks, it really messes with that whole supply chain's ability to meet their payrolls, to meet their rent payments, to meet their budgets. And so uh, the government, I think, has a responsibility to pass that budget every year. That's That was the first thing that came to my mind, Carmen, when you asked that question. Hmm. Um, so the number is is huge in terms of Americans who are, like, directly dependent on the government and then those yes. who work for the government and then who those who um, work for contractors who have – government contracts. And I mean, you're talking about millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of Americans. And so the federal government passing a budget actually does matter. Um, So that would be something and that would be something that we need to be watching um, in these days, because I think they're going to pass another CR uh, to get us through, I don't know, the better portion of another year. And so that's um, that's troubling. And we want to encourage our lawmakers to do better on that front. All right, Bill, we got to leave it right there. So much more we could talk about. We're going to not be with you next week because we're going to be doing our winter share. We're going to cap off the year. I can't wait to show people the little caps, the little stocking caps. All right. Well, anyway, I'm kind of excited about that. Uh, But we'll talk with you again in two weeks. God willing. All right. Sounds good. Creek don't rise and all of that. All right. Thanks, man. We'll be right back. (laughs) All right. Take care.